Hello, friends, and welcome to World Build With Us, the podcast where we create fantastical worlds with help from you, our listeners. My name is Rob Hilferty, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Daniel Quinn and Courtney Staples. On today's episode, we continue our foray into ancient Mecca. So a big shout out to our patron, Cam, for bringing us this prompt. As a reminder, this is the second part in a two-part series. So if you listen without listening to that first one, it's probably going to be a little confusing. So I would strongly recommend going and listen to that first part. Now, before we get into today's episode, I just want to remind you that if you want us to build your world, you can always go to our website, worldbuildwithus.com, where you can click the link, follow the instructions, and within a reasonable amount of time, we'll be building your world. If you want to follow us on social media, we have a YouTube channel where you can click all the things that YouTube likes us to do to feed the algorithm God. We also still on t- Twitter, uh, at Let's World Build. We also have a Discord if you want to come and talk to us more directly. Or if you, like Cam, want to support us directly, you can always go to our Patreon. And a big thank you to all of our patrons for your continued support. If you want to join them, you get access to all sorts of sweet, sweet goodies like patron-only discords, two episodes per prompt, which is uh, twice as many episodes, some would say. And we also have patron-exclusive episodes all sorts of fun stuff. So go check that out over on the Patreon. Now, the last time we left off, we had a twist for our episode. And that twist was, there's a scientific explanation for everything. Now, Courtney, how the hell did you reconcile this twist? Because, man, it's, <laughs> it just seems so difficult considering our math wizards from the last episode. So what's the kind of new twist that we wanted to approach with this one? Yeah, um, so I'm not really much of a math or science person, so I'm not totally sure how sound this is, but I was thinking that the prime numbers that we established last time that mm-hmm. are uh, associated with each mech are actually parts of coordinates to something in space. Oh, damn, uh, that's cool. Perhaps where these things like came from originally or where they're eventually going to go. And if it's yeah. the latter, that could even be like their their presence on earth is slowly shifting the movement of our solar system towards that point or something, but oh. uh, curious to hear what you guys think. Yeah. No, that's cool as hell. I completely, <laughs> I can fully completely support this 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was reading more about prime numbers. Um, who, who even knows what I said last episode, but we're going to explore. And I also learned that they are apparently the, um, it's considered by mathematicians to be the fundamental building blocks of integers. Because a prime is like one that's divided by one in itself. So mm-hmm. you kind of like derive the primes as like the atoms of math. So when you say like, oh, they can yeah. point to coordinates, that might be kind of cool because mm-hmm. they're already suggesting something fundamental about math or the universe. Mm-hmm. That's cool. That's dope. Yeah, that's very cool. I, I, I think that's really, really interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know where to build from there, but... <sighs> But yeah, just as a base to work from. Mm-hmm. Mm. I mean, I think that there's another thing suggested by them being associated with the primes, and that is intelligence of some sort is behind it. Because, mm-hmm. you know, like if, if these mathematicians are decrypting them so people can use them, right, that means they must have been encrypted to begin with, with a prime, right? So that, was, uh, yeah. that implies someone did that, right? <laughs> as opposed to it being mm-hmm. natural. Right. And this this actually kind of builds upon a previous tenet that I, I briefly touched upon last time. 
But it was um, the, the wording of Cam's prompt suggested that these things were sent to Earth rather mm-hmm. than, uh, yeah, it says an alternate history where 10 to 20 mechs were sent down to Earth around 300 BC. Yeah. And I still think that is, you know, like a key thing that we haven't really touched on. I don't think it's a bad thing that we haven't touched on it, but I think that it's like that wording can allow for some really interesting stuff to happen. And if these things are coordinates, you know, like we've got a treasure map on our hands and whether like in the stars or on earth itself, I think that can Mm -hmm. be something that's kind of fun and deliberate in that way, you know? Yeah. I was thinking too, like maybe it does relate to something on earth, like in addition to the stars. So there could very well be like a central point where these things are all pointing to. And maybe that's like the key to getting to where this is headed. I can, um, Eventually, when we get to the mechs, I, I think I have something that can help with that. But, I mean, another feature of the the primes is that, like, figuring out, I guess, sort of, like, the space between one prime and the other is, like, not certain. We're not sure how to do that yet. So right. it's, like, I think. <laughs> I tried reading this multiple times, literally. But basically, <laughs> like, for example, like, there's a bunch of them. When you get under 100, right, the, the regularity with which they occur is is more right but then Mm. as you get to larger numbers the gulf between one and the other is just like an indeterminate amount like it's just a bizarre distance that is unpredictable sort of um Mm. and again i don't mean that in a random way but that makes me think well okay so if the if the primes are associated with these machines then perhaps um locating other ones is you have to you have to have that sieve in order to do it right so you have to have the mathematician to do it so maybe mm-hmm. where they are and where they lead to, it's really hard to know because you have to find the machines themselves. So I'm guessing there must be a prime associated with them, each one. I've just got to say, this this is a slight tangent here. I just would like to say that I'm so glad that I didn't establish myself as the math or science guy because, like, man, that just seems, like, so beyond my, like, pay grade and interest. I'm like, oh. I'm so glad that we've got Daniel on here to take care of science and math. And stuff, you know? As horribly as I do, I'm, I'm like reading three or four Wikipedia articles that try to remember some and book yet, I read 10 years ago. And yet you sound so good and so, so like certain while you do it. So like good for you, Daniel. <laughs> and I was thinking like, well, how, how – how can we make more, not more sensitive, but how can we make it directly tied to the machines? And I like what Courtney said, because it gives a purpose to the pattern that's in here. Like mm-hmm. it's clearly a pattern. And we, at least we've established the math people are the ones that can figure out the pattern. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And speaking of the math people, I'm going to kind of sidle in here a little bit. I was still uh, like, kind of, you know, like, I'm like, I'm still worried about like how, the uh the math thing kind of works out because you know how civilization kind of built upon itself and stuff so i'm just going to give it a kind of hand wavy answer with my tenet which is i'm going to say that the very influence of these mecca is somehow putting out math into the air which i know is not rational and not reasonable but i'm kind of just dealing with that as i deal with it so uh what happens is the the influence of these mecha as they hit the earth literally causes an expansion of the mind in a curiosity towards the math that uh is like palpable and noticeable so advancements in math have rapidly kind of expanded over the course of the hundred or so years that we've had these things in here that's what i'm going with with my cheat tenet so that's what i got (laughs) 
So, um, so I'm trying to convert this into something physical. Let me see. So we've got an expansion of the mind with the machines arriving. Um, do we see that as like, like are perhaps the mathematicians the ones who whose minds are expanded because they've discovered maybe an enhancement to the sieve or the way they do the math on the machines. And then by virtue of that, they, they kind of teach Mm -hmm. people and that raises them all up and makes them highly rational. So I was actually, I I didn't really have an answer to this until you started talking and I kind of work with your theme. Yeah. (laughs) No, no, no. I, I think that works because like, I I'm thinking that, you know, if we've established that these mecha are semi sentient, right? Mm -hmm. Like they're, they're biomechanical as as per your tenant last episode, Daniel. Right. So I'm like, oh, well, they can just be like really good math. T- so like they're Kuon, right? Like the, the after school math program, but like for ancient people. <laughs> and, and like, but to like a rapid expanse. So like they want yeah, to be okay. activated. They want mm-hmm. to be used and they want to be like semi-sentient. And so like, yeah. yeah, when the mathematicians reach out and like talk to these things, they understand math at a more rapid pace. And as a result, yeah. stuff that would they wouldn't have learned for many years. Exactly. And then as a result, they're then like passing that along to, to the next, you know, generation. So mm-hmm. yeah, that I think is that works for me. And uh the fact that I get to make a Kuan reference is fun. So is it Kuan? Is it what what is this? Kuman? I don't want to say Kuman I, because that's gonna be uh it's bad for me. I, I don't want to I, I don't think I've ever actually heard of what you're talking yeah, about that is either yeah, yeah. they had that they yeah. had them in boston the uh oh man what is it wait are you saying after school like tv program or like in-person program in person oh okay i yeah. assumed you were talking about like a tv after school in person yeah it's it's mm-hmm. for like mostly rich people but okay we're getting we're getting <laughs> super sidetracked here um that was it is kumon damn it I, I don't was know hoping it wouldn't be Kumon. Damn it. Okay. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, but that's that's what it is. Yeah. Well, it's it's not come on, I'll tell you that for oh, sure. Hopefully not. Hopefully not. <laughs> if it is, then just strike that from the record. We're not using that as an option. Um anyway, Daniel, what's your tenet to reconcile the twist? Please, please steer us away from Kumon. <laughs> um, I wanted to speak to their physiology and um like their bloody nature because we established mm. a little bit that they require um like blood and other yeah. physical mm. sustenance <laughs> um so so i was going back to relate sort of to what Cordy was saying with um a pattern of primes perhaps an intention so that made me think you know maybe this was designed in a certain way and then so i thought well maybe they need infusions of blood it's not so much like a it seems like a sacrifice to ancient peoples or whatever mm. but they need like transfusions or they need blood that's compatible with them so initially to awaken them and then to like sustain them and i don't know how that's going to relate to the math stuff but mm. it also made me think perhaps they're not actually aliens and that's why they're compatible with us oh. like they may have been delivered here but it could be more like an ancient astronaut thing that we thought they came from the stars but really they came from someplace on earth because they preceded mm. our civilization. So these biomechanical things were like plucked from the earth, experimented, augmented, and put back effectively? Is that what you're suggesting maybe? Um, I'm suggesting that they are a form of ancient human. Like, oh, so okay. they're compatible with us because they are us in some respect and they come from a previous civilization. 
very Evangelion type stuff going on right now. Oh, really? <laughs> I don't know the plot of Evangelion. <laughs> uh there is some evangelion-esque nonsense going on and i don't i don't mind it at all i just want to say that so so basically like they need blood because the blood with which or the whatever you know life sustenance we give them is our own and it was theirs or the same Hmm. okay that that might be a little bit tricky I'll, i'll make it work with my mecha it's fine it's okay. I, I'm, I'll, I'll deal with it. But that's that's really interesting as well. That's that's quite interesting, Daniel. I like that. Yeah, it uh, makes me think back to the conversation that we had had elsewhere about the ancient aliens and the uh-huh. precursor civilizations and all those like conspiracy theory type things. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. John, mm-hmm. I never knew that John was that into that stuff. Me neither. Yeah. Me neither. I mean, at least it's not that he believes it, but he thinks it's really fascinating. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's that's like my fascination with the conspiracy theories as well. It's like it is interesting because like, man, that's a really cool like fiction that you've created. And then you're like, no, I believe this. And you're like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, oh, that's way worse, actually. <laughs> you know, like that kind of thing. Um, cool. All right. So have we reconciled the twists well enough? Do we agree that we've reconciled the twist? I think that they can all be tied together neatly once we have machines to work with. Mm-hmm. Speaking of machines, who wants to present their mecha first? Who wants to step into the mecha arena? I can um, segue directly from ancient civilizations. Let's do it. Because the mech that I was conceiving of, and now it makes more sense given what Cordy was saying, you were saying, well, they're all the same combined. It was supposed to be a very large and invisible, and it could have inhabitants inside of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I was thinking of Atlantis. I think within a few hundred years, we have writings about Atlantis from Plato. Mm -hmm. And so this this machine is invisible. And it's like, perhaps that's all I really had as a basis. Perhaps that's either where they come from or it's a fragment of that ancient civilization, but that it's an invisible city mech that people um, can try and find that has maybe some answers in it. Mm. Interesting. Okay, so we've got so what does it look like? It's it's invisible, sure, but and and what are its people like? Because I'm assuming that we've got Atlantis, right? What mm-hmm. are the people like? What's the physical look of this thing? Let's start there. I don't have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I okay. I get the sense that like if it is always invisible, then it probably had some sort of like ghost like aspect to it, or like yeah some sort of spiritual following that came about because of it. Because if you, if you're in this like ancient civilization and all of a sudden you see just like swaths of, of grassland being flattened or trees being flattened thing, it was like nothing really visible there. It's going to blow your fucking mind. And maybe that's how it gathered this following is just through its mystery. And like, people don't really know what it is even. Oh, yeah, maybe they don't know what's inside of it, but people have gone yeah. and spotted out where those occurrences mm. happen, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I like that. It, I, I don't know why, but I'm, like, imagining that they think that they're talking to the wind or something like that mm-hmm. when they're doing this. They're, like, some kind of invisible, mysterious force that's, like... So So the fact that it doesn't have a form kind of makes sense because it's, like, no one's ever seen it before, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe they haven't gotten inside of it, but inside of it is the answers to many things. Mm. Yeah. 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 It could also be, like the the patterns that it leaves as it moves relate to its prime number in some way Ooh, yes yes all these <laughs> that's cool <laughs> like, let's sign up for that newsletter 
It's <laughs> <laughs> leaving like prime number of crop circles everywhere. I was I was just going to say, so like we've got a crop circle nonsense going mm-hmm. on, which I love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really cool. Uh, so Courtney, why don't you tell us a little bit about your Mecca and some information surrounding that Mecca? Well, mine actually started more with the region that I wanted it to land yeah. in. And mm-hmm. I wanted to veer into territory that we don't usually see in like alt history or even historical fiction, which is uh, older cultures in North America. And mm-hmm. I ended up going with the Oasis America region, which mm-hmm. is in the Southwest, like Arizona, uh, New Mexico, Northern yeah. Mexico. Uh, and I had cultures like the Pueblo and Mogollon. And I'll admit that I didn't do as much research as I probably should have for like a deep mm-hmm. dive. But given how far back in history it was and how few specifics we even know about those cultures, I think it's reasonable to be a bit uh, loose with our interpretations there. And um, then my idea for the mech was that it has like wings and large claws, but the people here have not turned it into a war machine. And instead mm. they're using it to do irrigation in the desert yeah. and basically... The desert, because of the presence of this Mecca and how they've used it, it's turned from like full on desert to um, a more fertile land. Cool. I, I, I dig that quite a bit, actually. That's dope. Mm. And it's a machine that heals the land or, or tills it for them. Yeah, I was picturing like tilling and uh, mm-hmm. they can like direct it to, you know, irrigate from rivers and stuff like that. But healing mm-hmm. is also an interesting concept so maybe it does resonate some sort of like warmth or or solar energy that allows for things to grow faster in its presence that would be neat yeah like a revivify sort of thing yeah i'm kind of thinking that it has like an earthworm effect where like the process Mm -hmm. of it tilling the earth itself is actually you know like infusing it with nutrients and stuff like that in some way Mm -hmm. you know because because now i'm just thinking it's a big mole you know, like with the big claws and stuff like that. <laughs> I bet, yeah, with like the claws, that definitely yeah, makes sense. Exactly. I had imagined it like flying too, but as like a a way for transit <laughs> to occur faster. But maybe that's throwing too many things into one. Uh, well, one I mean, if you if you make it dig real fast, then that also you know allows for faster transit. You know, but it also yeah. like tills the earth while it does that, so it could be you know helpful in that regard as well. You know. Yeah. 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 I like that. Yeah. Well, that's fun. It also allows for um, plots where some of the people want to use it as a weapon. And so there's an internal mm-hmm. political struggle. Oh, absolutely. For it. Yeah. Yeah. Great, yeah. great job pointing that out. That is absolutely where my brain went as well, where it's like there is a concerted effort to not turn this into a weapon. You know? Yeah. I could see that. Like maybe a, an alliance is formed between various cultures there. And mm-hmm. so far, it's all been pretty even keel and they've been you know, using it for peaceful reasons, but I'm sure eventually mm. there's going to be somebody who's like, Hey, actually that could crush everybody if we wanted it to. Yeah. It's like, why, why don't we choose to be Kings or gods in mm. the world? You know, like that kind of thing. There yeah. also be uh, fear. Cause I know we had a, some other machine that was like one of the renegade ones that violates the alliances between these countries that's out there it comes mm-hmm. white i believe mm-hmm. in the first episode that, that yeah. could, it could be people within their culture saying look it might be overseas currently but it, it's wreaking havoc and we should learn how to use this as a weapon and then the count various different peoples here don't agree and so it's a race to protect themselves that could be another take on it too uh, mm-hmm. yeah yeah so like the sort of fight between 
like the defensive side that wants to build up and continue yeah. building the civilization and creating walls and things with this uh, mech and the offensive ones who want to uh, find that mech and kill it before it gets yeah. to them. Or at least arm themselves. Before yeah. Them. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Again, if we're filming this like a TV show, right? Like the, the looming threat of this blight Walker that is like overseas, but is coming mm-hmm. towards them like only exacerbates the already existing like kind of stress within this faction. And then, so I imagine like during like the, the season finale or some big moment where they know that the blight Walker is on its way or something like that. And the panic Mm -hmm. just overcomes them. And so like, there's this big coup that happens, you Mm -hmm. know, and like, there's like people who are backlit by a blazing fire behind them as you know, the coup is going on and stuff like that. And then the the principal villain like walk towards the camera and like opens his eyes and like bam there you go like stinger <laughs> for the end of the episode. Again, my brain just thinks cinematically. I can't help it. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's <laughs> where my brain immediately goes when I think mm-hmm. about that. <laughs> I'm curious like how I mean obviously different groups have mechs that can potentially like travel super fast over water and stuff, but mm-hmm. if that blight walker is for example in Asia or uh europe or africa like how would people in the americas learn about it ahead of time well i'm so glad that you asked that Courtney, <laughs> did we establish um, something about in communications being more interconnected as a result last episode daniel you ruined my fucking segue let me get the segue in there i was gonna do it <laughs> so i'm so glad that you asked that courtney because my faction works particularly well with that in that mm-hmm. regard in answering mm-hmm. that question. So I did a little bit of research and I was like, oh, what were the what were the people in the Barbary Coast up to in the Berbers in like the 200 and 300 BC, right? Uh, turns out not a lot, but I did a little bit of research into ancient piracy. And it turns out that the time frame for the Mecca and stuff like that is right around the time of like Alexander the Great and stuff like that, mm-hmm. which I think is a really cool thing that we just completely missed. And that's totally on us. But as a result, so the rise of piracy started again after the death of Alexander the Great, because he was responsible for quelling a lot of coastal piracy. Right. So I've decided that I really wanted a, a kind of coastal pirate like rogue like faction that doesn't really have a particular you know like region that it kind of it basically sails a bunch right and is shaped like a giant sea serpent because i love those ancient sea serpents and stuff like that right Mm -hmm. so i've also got this idea that it basically attaches ships to it and so it sails out in like little you know like pods of fleets of pirates and stuff like that you know what i mean so as a result, because this thing is so is one incredibly fast and is able to traverse like that is how all of a sudden they and, and they're not just pirates anymore. They started out as pirates, but then they realized like we could just become traders. Like we've got these incredibly fast ships. We've got this incredibly fast mech. And this is the part that I was kind of like trying to reconcile with Daniel earlier. You know, like we never specified, I think, that they required human blood in order for the sacrifice to work. Right. Was um, that specified? I don't know if we agreed on it, but we brought it up for sure. Mm, okay. Yeah, because, I forget if it had to be human. Well, uh, right. my, my idea is that the reason that this thing can be so active is because it can actually just feed on whale blood. 
right? Mm -hmm. So it can uh. be more active than a traditional mecha because it's like, hey, I can just dive in the ocean, grab a pot of whales, and then I'm good for a much longer period of time, right? We can mix the two. So perhaps sure. um, it requires very, because of its aquatic nature, it requires far less blood by transfusion. And so the captain maybe mm -hmm. can feed it every now and then, but it could be supplemented mm -hmm. with whales and other animals like under the ocean. Maybe it's evolved slightly mm -hmm. differently because yeah. of its environment. I mean, that can yeah. be true of all of them. They might all have slightly different physical requirements as long as they're bound to humanity in some way. Mm -hmm. Okay. The fact that you can like tie it to like, hey, this one requires human blood, but also mm -hmm. really likes elephants, you know, like, it's right. kind of yeah. like locked to a certain region. Uh -huh. Courtney's might like seeds, you know, as well as blood, you know. Or yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, and, and it keeps it kind of region locked to certain areas. It's like it will mm -hmm. be optimal in this area, that kind of thing, you know. It it could be too that you just need to activate it and be present and transfuse with it to operate it, but it has to feed on whatever else it can eat. Like a, like a person, like we need blood, but our entire physiology isn't just consuming that, you know? <laughs> right. I mean, and if, if, if what you're trying to suggest, Daniel, is that like, you know, these things, I mean, as your tenant suggested, right. That these things are ancient humans in some way mm -hmm. that have just been like altered. That totally works because they're omnivores as well. Right. Yeah. yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah that works yeah cool and i could see it too like maybe the almost like the better connection that you have with it potentially the less blood it needs from humans or like yeah. we had also talked mm. about maybe uh mass sacrifice isn't always necessary like if if the mathematician is in tune enough with their mech they can like figure out other ways or ideal uh solutions or something that don't involve you know mm. killing like 100 people to to fuel it what I'm hearing is that not only are these mathematicians mathematicians, they're also nutritionists for Mecca. Is, yes. that, is that effectively what's going on here, Courtney? Yes, I think so. Uh -huh. <laughs> like, all right, the optimal nutrition for our giant robot is as such. <laughs> it's like, no, no, that's too many trans fats. Get out of there. <laughs> and and that could also be like why that uh, the Blightwalker one is so dangerous is because it, whoever's in control of it is more of like a warlord mentality and doesn't really care about finding the optimal thing it's like yeah you want to eat like this oh, entire yeah. city like fucking go nuts that's fine mm -hmm. oh that's good i like that a lot actually yeah 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 it, it, and there's like a, an inherent disrespect in how it treats this thing with the warlord situation yeah that's mm -hmm. good mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. well uh, I feel like we've done a pretty interesting job explaining our uh, our mecha and our factions. I love I love all of them thus far. Uh, mm -hmm. I love Daniel's mysterious, you know, Atlanteans. Um, Ad Atlantis is always one of those things where it's like I'm so fascinated by it, but I'm also like, y'all, it's like probably not even that deep. It's probably just like Troy or something like that. But you know, whatever. Uh, very happy. I suppose we now need to move into our main storyline quest. Who has ideas for what we want to do here? I think I, one element I'd like to have is um, because my machine in particular isn't necessarily functioning as a country or um, having like a, a clear purpose that it's designed to. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, hers has to do with the agriculture of the region. Yours has a sense of piracy to it. And I, I wonder if perhaps we can have a Plato-like but mathematician figure who is searching for it 
you know, and so mm. that's part of the story. Oh, I that's like really cool. cool. Yeah. 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 I like that. Yeah. Okay. So how do we loop in our factions for this thing then? Right. Yeah. That's, that should be what we do. I think <laughs> what they loop. Yeah. I feel like um, Rob, yours is going to be used to transport this Plato mm. philosopher explorer figure yeah. around. So it can be like a globe trotting thing with mm-hmm. the help of your mech. And then mine, maybe, I mean, they'll have to go to America at some point in search of this thing. Like maybe Daniel, yours, in addition to being invisible, it can also like teleport. And that's why it's so difficult yeah. to pin down. I like that. So maybe like this Plato guy is like, using uh the numbers that it leaves behind to figure out where it's going to go next and eventually (laughs) it eventually tracks it down to maybe like the americas and has to interact with with my culture or something i'm wondering if instead of teleporting it's actually that it's in multiple places all at once and you have to find the doorway into it using the primes Oh, so it's has it been like deliberately split apart and like you're trying to like pull them all together again or maybe or perhaps it's physiology because it's like where the ancient human civilization is or its dimensionality is bizarre. And so it's like Mm -hmm. it's not just a matter of because the expectation would be that would be it's in certain places. Right. Perhaps Mm -hmm. perhaps he realizes through the primes, like just going back to the idea of them being atomic elements of math. Perhaps it's they're actually it's is in all of those places all at once. Like the ancient world of ancient astronauts is the Earth, but at an earlier time or physicality or something. And the doorway through it is the doorway through Mm. it is this machine. It's invisible. Interesting. And and so like the globe trotting aspect is now like understandable because it's like, okay, this is going to sound dumb. It's like national treasure or like an Indiana Jones. Where like yeah. you have to go to all these different locations that are far apart because like that's where yeah. the clues are. Yeah, that totally makes mm-hmm. sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm down. Love this. So what's the what's the conflict then? Are they being hunted by this kind of like blightwalker type thing as they go? Yeah. Or that's what I was thinking. That maybe yeah. like he catches on to what they're trying to do and he sees it as like another way to gain power if he gets there first. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Uh, maybe he has his own evil mathematician or his mm-hmm. own suite of mathematician. Maybe, ooh, okay. Maybe <laughs> the mathematician that's on the run is one of his council of mathematicians ooh. who's turned there against him. Yeah. yeah. There yeah. we go. That's cool. Yeah. They're basically awesome. like enslaved mathematicians that were forced yes. to serve him and yeah. then this one managed to escape somehow. <gasps> and he wants to save his friends by getting the secrets to the Alanis. Okay. 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 Courtney. Uh, they they escaped on perhaps a giant ship, for example, mm, you know, like example, or, yes. or a ship mecca of some kind, yes. you know, like yeah, that <laughs> that totally makes sense. So so now we need to loop in your stuff, Courtney. Where where do where does your peaceful faction come in? Well, yeah, was... peaceful in quotations, <laughs> you know. Um, I guess we can move back to like that dilemma that they would potentially be having about like mm-hmm. remaining defensive and peaceful versus going on the offensive and like um maybe that debate is stirred up when this philosopher guy arrives in the americas with news oh. of like oh mm. by the way this like fucking horrific blight walker monster is gonna come here and destroy everything yeah so that like creates some internal conflict within my civilization mm. so it kind of takes place there is what you're saying 
Yeah, that could be like the the last stand kind of thing or like the the precursor to the last stand, wherever that last stand ends up being. I like that. You know, Courtney, I just realized that like your your area that we're talking about is roughly around like the Grand Canyon, right? Um, yeah, I think I think that's I, I feel like for some reason I'm really being called to the Grand Canyon as like a as a really cool area for a final Mecca showdown to happen. You know, uh, especially considering, mm-hmm. you know, your Mecca and stuff like that. I don't know. I'm just tossing it out there. I think that's an opportunity that we could potentially look at, you know. Yeah, definitely. Like it could become even more of a a canyon as these Mecca fight there and like tear up the mm-hmm. landscape even more. It creates the Grand Canyon, guys. Yeah, we I was going to We thought it was natural, but it was created. <laughs> <laughs> so we're creating like the secret history of the Americas. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Obviously. Sure. That works. That works. All right. Sure. Perhaps cracking it open in this epic battle opens the doorway to the ancient civilization that's in that crack. And then like the super mech comes out. From Atlantis <laughs> to help them in the final battle, because they don't have a mech. Well, they have the they have the um, farming mech. Perhaps it gets destroyed, and it's so oh, no. devastating to their culture oh. or damage to so such a degree that it can't fight. Like it loses the initial battle, but at the last second, Plato and his buddies <laughs> they they bust open the crack in the earth during the battle, and out comes Atlantis bot. Okay, okay, okay. So I, I want to I want to addend a little bit because what happens right is that. In the initial battle with Courtney's Mecca, it's the bloodthirsty faction that has control and they get utterly trounced, right? Blighted, yeah. Right. But but then after like the more just faction takes over again and like then it's like, oh, we're more in sync with our Mecca and they actually do much better in the second fight Mm -hmm. and they actually serve like a lot more of a function and a purpose in that fight. Like maybe they're not directly confronting this thing, but they're like, they're digging a giant canyon to like create some kind of a, a tactical advantage or something like that, you know? Yeah. Like maybe lowering the blight Walker into the canyon so that it can be like pinned down from above or something like that. Oh, or like it dig something around it. And then at the last second, like, bam, it's a big pit trap or something yeah, like that. Yeah. And like buries it up to its chest or like disables its stinger or something like that mm-hmm. you know we did talk about a stinger i think or it disables one of the big weapons that it has effectively. yeah yeah perhaps the reason why they had to do that is because this thing is a blight right and it's like poisons and stuff other hands mm-hmm. perhaps though it also eats stuff from there so it's got like blood from all over the place all different little bits of transfusions from all the other machines mm-hmm. attacked and stuff mm-hmm. and that's a mixture of all the prime blood is what's required to open the doorway to Atlantisville. Mm. So they use this <laughs> trap, like you said, this explodey trap to like burst it to get some of that blood out or whatever. And that's what feeds the doorway. Oh, okay. Sure. That's cool. Yeah. I, I do also like Atlantisville, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I like that idea that like the, the warlord brought his Blightwalker here in an effort to gain power, but in actuality, his was like the key to this whole thing. Yeah. Okay. Question. Um, why is this warlord like specifically chasing this missing mathematician? Cause it sounds like, like why wouldn't the warlord just be happy, like conquering all of Asia or all of Asia and Europe or like Africa? Like 
it seems like this warlord is specifically chasing after the mathematician who betrayed them or, or left, right? What I would like to do, because right now the warlord is just this kind of like bloodthirsty like monster. I would like to imagine that this bloodthirsty monster is perhaps chasing either their spouse or their child as a result to humanize I, them ever so slightly, just a little bit. I was thinking the same thing that it's um, that the mathematician is this person's spouse slash slave uh, who is pregnant with a child. Oh, there you go. Yeah. And yeah, the okay. warlord is furious that his like heir is being taken from him as he sees yeah. it. Yeah. No, I can, I fully support that, Courtney. 100%. All right. I was gonna. I was gonna add to that, like if you wanted um, a, a non. I like that because it's far more personal. But if you wanted a non-personal answer, um, you could just say that it is a cold war, right? Like there's mm-hmm. other mathematicians out there, and he's mm-hmm. on the verge of figuring it out since he has a bunch of slave mathematicians. And they may have one, and so the idea that there is a super weapon out there to be decrypted, like he wants it first because he's a warlord, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you mm-hmm. can fold that into this as well. That there's also yeah. a personal element, and that's perhaps what undermines him. Like the fact that he's concerned about his child, right? That means he can't mm-hmm. use regular blighting tactics directly on his enemies. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. it's like um, in Mad Max Fury Road with Immortan yes. Joe yeah. trying yeah. to get his pregnant uh, slave back, essentially. Yeah. 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 No, that sounds great. I, I love mm-hmm. that. I feel like that's a good place to go out on as well. You know, humanizing the villain just a little bit. And what a fun and cool little world that we've created. Like, and Daniel hates Pacific Rim. It really feels like we've done like a parallel Pacific Rim or actually, no, that's not true. It's definitely more ancient Evangelion is what we've created here. <laughs> but still. I do wonder though, like what happens when this uh, Atlantisville doorway is opened up? Yeah. Oh, the world gets flooded. Wait, that happened way, way, way long time ago. <laughs> we, 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 could have a, we could have another flood. That's fine. <laughs> the secret flood. <laughs> the secret. It's the name of the book. <laughs> no, no, no. Okay, what happens is a bunch of dinosaurs come out of that, Daniel. That, mm. Yes, that's dinosaurs and floods. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so dumb. I love it. Uh, okay. Uh, all right. So, yeah. Also, I just, just want to point out, Courtney... As someone mm-hmm. who hates Mecca, somehow you kind of came around on this setting just a little, just a little bit, right? I think I would like to imagine that we moved the needle from a negative five to like maybe a negative four, you know, like, and I'm frankly, I'm happy with just a little bit of progress. I think that um, having them be like biomechanical helped a bit. Mm-hmm. It like helps me connect with them more and see mm-hmm. them as more than just like a robot that was built. Mm. I gotcha. Yeah, so there, there's purpose. So now, yeah. now we know how to get Courtney more invested is just make them, but one, add blood sacrifice. Obviously, yeah, right? obviously, yeah. And two, make them somewhat biomechanical. I will keep that in mind the next time I, uh, I want, I want to talk about this. Well, but we'll we'll get to that later. We'll get to that later. <laughs> anyway, uh, I, I think that's going to do it for this episode, y'all. How do you feel? I think so. It feels like a short one, but that's fine. It feels like we like just zipped through this episode, but like, man, I had a ton of fun, like absolutely very much enjoyed this one. Again, it it includes two of my favorite things, which is ancient history and giant robots. I'm very happy that we get to combine those two. I was very excited to see this kind of come together. So a big thank you again to our patron Cam for bringing this prompt to us Uh, again. Just so exciting. Remember that if you want, if you want us to get excited for your prompt, 
go to our website, worldbuildwithus.com, where you can click the link, submit your own world building prompt, and within a reasonable amount of time, we'll be getting hyped for your setting. Of course, if you don't want to do that, you just want to listen to us on YouTube. Guess what? We got a YouTube channel now. Do all the YouTube things, click the links, all that stuff, the, the updates and the subscribe buttons and stuff like that. Do that whenever you want. You know, no big deal. Uh, we also are on Twitter. Uh, it's at Let's World Build. Guess what? We uh, are also having a Discord if you want to come chat with us more directly. If you want to make a case for Mecca, hey, I'm here to listen. Courtney's here to block and ignore and all that good stuff. Uh, <laughs> of course, if you like Cam or feeling particularly generous or want to support the podcast directly, you can go to our Patreon where you can become a member, give us money, and in return, you get access to all sorts of sweet, sweet patron-only goodies like the Aphid Lounge, which is our monthly extra episode for patrons. We, by the way, way less shilling in those episodes. Ask our patrons. There's like almost no shilling whatsoever. Uh, you've also got access to Too Hot for Broadcast, which is like bits and bobs from episodes that we just cut for, you know, time or appropriateness in some cases. You've also got uh, two episodes instead of one. All sorts of other good stuff. Go check out the Patreon if you want to support us. And with all of that, that's going to do it for this episode of World Build With Us. Remember that we love you very much. We're going to get through this together until next week.